Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts, Welcome into episode six of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am Tyler Remchuk, joined by Cam Lewis, as always, recording this on a uh, Thursday morning. It's a snowy Thursday morning for me in Edmonton, which is fucked because I was golfing like two days ago. But that's beside the point. Coomsey, how are you? It was a snowy morning or I guess a snowy light night last night. It was a snowy 420. And then we woke up with a whole bunch of snow on the ground. And now it's mostly gone, I think. I think I haven't been outside yet today because it's way too early for me. Yeah, we were talking about that at a very early time. So usually we record at night just after whenever a game wraps up. Um, We didn't get to do that last night. So we're recording this Thursday morning. It's 729 for me, which is fine. That's what time I usually wake up at. I'm not that tired. It's 9.30 for you, and you have not stopped yawning once <laughs> since our Zoom call started. I also haven't had time to go and get a coffee or do anything. Do you not make coffee at home? Well, I can, but I just haven't. Jesus, man. Like, I've been up and at them for like half an hour now. I'm cooking. I'm ready to go. I've been getting at it, and you are like barely able to stay alive at night. What are you cooking? Um, no, I, well, that was just, you know, I'm cooking, You're not cooking general anything. things. You lied. Up. <laughs> you made it seem like you were cooking food cooking up hot up. takes you know how to cook i know like generally how to cook i'm not like a good cook i wouldn't What's call myself a make? see and that's exactly it like i don't i don't necessarily make things i assemble things you like you know heat shit, you heat things up yeah like i throw shit in the oven i can like do that kind of stuff i'm not like making stuff from scratch but i can make a meal if it's like you know so you can cook up like a delicio or make hot dogs. Well, no, I'm a little bit more like advanced than that. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good example here, but like, I don't know. Sounds great. Yeah. Are cool. you a good, are you a good cook? Like, are, would you I'm, call yourself? I'm improving. A- I'm um, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. I can make like five things fairly well. It makes like a very good stir fry. Okay. It's very easy to make, but I make, a, make quite a good stir fry. I make very good soft tacos. Okay, like, okay, shit like that. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, where you're not yeah, that's like... that's what I was talking about. You're not, like, that's needing cooking. dough to make no, your that's meals. baking. Well, you know what I mean. You're not, like, you're not, like, making pasta from scratch when you're, like, cooking. But, like, yeah, no. I can make, like, a stir-fry generally. Of course I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay. Let's Fine. talk about those Blue Jays who uh, managed to salvage the split 
against the Boston Red Sox. We kind of talked on the last episode that that was like the bare minimum they should have done is, is get the split against Boston. I guess that's kind of the bare minimum of what you want to do every time you have a two game series. Um, but your, your general takeaway from, from the Jays managing to salvage it against Boston. I was worried coming into this, to be completely honest with you, that they were going to lose two both game, uh, both both two games, given the way that Boston had been rolling. Um, after the first game, too, like that was the first time all season we'd seen any team get to and hit Hyunjin Ryu. And I was like, oh, man, the Red Sox lineup looks extremely potent. They just won the first game against the ace. And then in game two, we have the collection of random pitchers going up against this lineup that's red hot. But, you know, the 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 bullpen puzzle did a ridiculously good job on Wednesday to keep it together and get the Jays a win and salvage this series because that would have been nightmare territory if they had gotten swept here and then been poised to head into Tampa Bay, having lost, what would that have been four in a row, five in a row, four? Yeah. Four in a row. That would, that would not be a good look. Yeah, it would have been four in a row rolling into a big series against the Tampa Bay Rays, um, who you mentioned are heating up. Let's get right into three up, three down, because that ties into one of my big takeaways here from the series. Three up, three down is brought to you by Twig and Berries. Free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. It's a special. It's on now. Go check out their new website where you can browse through their own brand of nutsack underwear. Use the promo code NATION15 for 15% off your order. Twigandberries.ca. You mentioned the bullpen, and that was probably the biggest up for me is how well the bullpen pitched. Um, you even have in game one, they, they got Piamps and Castro. They got two innings with just one hit allowed, three strikeouts. You go into game two, and they use Thornton, Malone, Phelps, Barucki, Dolis, Miza, Castro. They scatter 10 hits. They allow three runs. Just really, really good stuff from a bullpen that continues to get hammered with injuries. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm looking right now on baseball reference, and I know you would usually use fan graphs for this kind of thing, but whatever. I was just browsing on baseball reference this morning. And the Blue Jays, in terms of wins above average by position, rank second in baseball in terms of all pitchers, tied with another team you wouldn't expect, which is the Boston Red Sox. And they're behind the one and only Los Angeles Dodgers, who are on pace for like 140 wins this year. So the Blue Jays right now have the second best pitching in baseball, but their starting pitching has contributed to virtually none of that. It's exclusively the relief pitching in which they rank first in terms of wins above average by position. This bullpen, the bullpen that doesn't have Kirby Yates, the one that yeah. lost Julian Merriweather after you know a week and a half, the one that's just lost Jordan Romano, like that's incredibly shocking and like a quite the testament to I'd say like. Pete Walker and the staff there that are just getting like a lot out of these, you know, pretty random arms. Like, like you said, like Joel Pams, Anthony Castro, guys like that. Like you don't really, nobody expected to contribute in like any capacity this year. Tommy Malone, like he was a, a non-roster invitee who, again, nobody thought was even going to be on the roster. And now here he is on the team. He's fourth on the team in innings pitched with a pretty respectable 4.22 ERA. Like, it's it's shocking to see, and this this is this is who's keeping the team afloat right now because they're they're not really hitting yet, and it's it's these these random relievers that are doing it. Our good friend BK sent out a tweet, and it read: uh, "The Jays continue to pitch incredibly well in the thirteen non Ryu innings versus the best offense in baseball, the Red Sox. They posted the following numbers: thirteen inning pit, thirteen innings pitched, eleven hits, three walks, thirteen strikeouts, and just." 
three earned runs and someone pointed out in the comments, it's weird when you have to take the Ryu numbers out to make the stats look better. But that was certainly the case. The Jays bullpen was excellent against Boston. Our second up is one Bo Bichette, who had a very strong series against the Bo Sox. In game one, he goes two for four with a home run. In game two, he goes two for four with an RBI. Take the fielding out of it. That was a hell of a series from Bo Bichette. It feels like he's playing some of his best baseball right now. Yeah, getting him and Vlad going at the yeah. same time is like an unbelievable sight. That's just what you expect to see as you're two, three in the lineup for the next you know, 10 years. Yeah. And the fact that they're just, they're finally really just like, I don't, I don't know if we've, we've really had that many points in which these two guys have both been on at the same time mm-hmm. yet in their careers. Cause I remember, you know, Bo came up and he was killing it in 2019. Vlad was a bit up and down last year. Uh, it was more, you know, those two weren't like the huge factors in the team. It was more Teoscar Hernandez, different guys because Bo was injured. Vlad had a pretty ho-hum season last year, but now they're both rolling and they're both killing it. And this is the best I've seen the both of them, I think, because the, yeah, the, the past two games, uh, Bo has got the 500 batting average hit a dinger. You know, he's just, all of his plate appearances look good. And that, you know, that's the same thing with Vlad. Like, I think we'll touch on him in a minute, but like every time Vlad comes up to the, anytime either of these guys come up to bat, like you expect them to get on base pretty much now. And that's, that's great. And if they aren't getting on base, like you said, they're putting together just like really, really good quality at bats. Uh, Vlad is our third up. He has an OBP over 500. Uh, he went two for three with a walk and an RBI in game two of the series against the Red Sox. And he's a prime example of that. Like he's going up there and he, he has like a found sort of patience. Like he's, his approach at the plate seems miles better than it was last year. And, and even that sounds weird to say, but he, he looks like a different hitter. He, it looks like he's turned into just an absolutely dangerous hitter. Yeah. He looks kind of like, um, kind of like, uh, the young moving into his prime era, Miguel Cabrera, a guy who, you know, he hits, hits for power, he hits for average. He doesn't, he doesn't really strike out. Like I think right now he has more walks into strikeouts after the, the second game. And now his on-base percentage is up to five thirteen, which puts him first in major league baseball ahead of Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. I posted a screenshot of that on the Blue Jays Nation Unreal. Twitter account yesterday. And that's just that's such a nice sight to see, like just 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 those three together and then Vlad being the number one out of them. Like his his approach this year is so much better than it has been in years past. And it's just, it seems like, like we talked about this this last time too, but he, like Vlad has arrived and I don't really see him cooling off that much. Like, no, he's not going to put up a 1300 OPS this year, but I don't really see him cooling off. Like he's got it figured out. And maybe we'll have to eat our words on this at one point and that's fine, but I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Like, yeah, he's not going to finish the year batting whatever over 400 or something like that. But I think I, I'm expecting him to be top 10 in a lot of the major categories at the end of the season. Yeah. And my hot take at the beginning of the season was, you know, Bo Bichette will get nominated for the MVP. Maybe, maybe my hot take should have been that it would be Vlad because fuck, it could be trending that way. I, I think quite honestly, like barring injuries, I think there's a pretty good chance we'll see both of those two players finish like top 10 in MVP voting. I think that's realistic. That's insane. Yeah, that's great. That's what you like to see. Let's get to uh, the downs because there were a few considering they lost the game, uh, the first game of that series. The first down I have is is no run support for Hunjin Ryu. And you go back through his start so far this season, they've won two out of the four of them which isn't bad, but when you consider the fact that in those losses, 
Like the one to Texas was fucking brutal earlier this year when they yeah. when they lost two one and and ruined just a brilliant performance from Ryu. And even this one against Boston, you only put up two runs. I know Ryu wasn't, you know that that wasn't his best start of the year by any means. But still, you, you got six or five innings out of him. He held the Red Sox to whatever it was four runs. The bullpen did their job, and you just you couldn't get up. You couldn't get five runs against that Red Sox pitching staff. The run support for Ryu so far this year, like I know it's maybe sounds like nitpicking a little, but they very well could have been four and zero so far this year with Ryu on the bump if they just put together decent offense in a couple of more of those games. Oh yeah, but I mean that's been that's been the case with with every every game they've played this year pretty much. I mean. I'm just looking at their run scored totals and it's like, aside from that one, you know, 15 run explosion they had against the angels on that weird rainy, windy night. It's like, you know, they've only last night was the third time all season. They've scored more than five runs in a game. And, you know, they, they're right now, let's see, they're averaging 4.1 runs per game. Whereas last year, I think they were one of the best in the, they're one of the best in baseball. Yeah. They averaged, you know, five runs a game and they're just, that's just not happening thus far. But I mean, realistically you're missing George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez. Those are such big parts of the lineup. And I do think that especially when Springer comes back and you have that as your one, two, three Springer leading off Bowen Vlad, then yeah, it's going to be a huge game changer. And they're going to, it's, it's going to, it'll, it'll, it'll wake the bats up. I think we'll get into that after we're finished our downs. Cause that is certainly an up the fact that Springer could be returning against Tampa Bay. Uh, the second down we have, you wrote Danny Jansen being historically bad. Um, yeah, that's, it's not good for, for old DJ at the plate. Oh, he's even worse than, um, he's even worse than Reese McGuire was last oh, year. Reese McGuire last year in 45 plate appearances had two hits. One of them was a dinger. He <laughs> struck out 11 times, walked zero times. Danny, this year, uh, 38 plate appearances. He only has two hits, but I guess the saving grace is that he's uh, walked four times, so that's a little bit better. And the other saving grace is that his defense has been quite good. So, I mean, according to baseball reference, he's just just below zero in terms of wins above replacement. So even though he's a complete vacuum at the plate, makes up for it by being very good defensively. So I guess that's something. But it, it is, we're, we're getting kind of to the point here with uh, Danny Jansen. Like, you know, he came up in his rookie season in 31 games and put up a 779 OPS. And we thought, okay, this guy can be a two-way catcher. Like he can field, we know that, and he can hit. But then since then, and I guess it's been 163 games. So the course of a full normal season, and he's put up a 621 OPS. He's, you know, struck out 119 times, walked 56 like, I, I, I think we're kind of getting to the point where it's like Jansen's bat is probably not going to come around at the major league level. He's now had almost 600 at-bats. He's had over, he's had 664 plate appearances in the majors and he's batting 199. Yeah. And like, that that's all- a fairly large sample size to be that yeah. underwhelming with the stick. Yeah. And that takes into consideration his rookie season where he came up and yeah. did well in, I guess, quite a few of those games were in September where I think you have to be a little bit skeptical of what that means. You know, guys come up in September and kill it because they're also facing random call-ups from around the league. And that's just like, you know, you have to take every stat with a grain of salt. But I mean, the thing with Johnson is that he is again, like a, he's a good defensive catcher and that's okay. Like the, you'd, you'd like to get offense from that position, but so long as he's not, 
you know, a total donkey behind the play, then it's fine, I guess. But I do think it's probably time that we start seeing more of Alejandro Kirk behind the play because, you know, he isn't the same black hole offensively. Yeah. And like you said, if he's, if Jansen is, you know, above average defensively or even really good defensively, and you have a lineup that's as deep as we're hoping this Jays team lineup is when it's healthy, then like, I, I'm not exactly sweating the fact of having one black hole. Although depending on how you look at Kevin, <laughs> depending on how you look at Kevin Biggio right now, it might be two black holes, but like, I'm not sweating just Jansen being bad if the rest of the lineup's doing well, but I do think you're right. We probably should start seeing a little bit more of Alejandro Kirk because I got, I, I love Danny Jansen. He seems like a really good guy. Seems like a really easy guy to root for, but it is kind of getting to the point where you're like, like it might not ever just, he might not ever figure it out with the bat and he might just be destined to being a career backup catcher, um, which yeah. I mean, fuck, you're going to make a good living being a career backup catcher in the majors for Alejandro Kirk, but it might just be, be coming to that point. Uh, the third down we have is bad gloves. And it was, I mean, Biggio made some mistakes. Guriel made a big mistake in the first game. Bichette made some mistakes as well. Um, yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a banner weekend for the J or banner series for the Jays. I just should say, sorry, defensively. No, I'm looking at the blue Jays defensive metrics right now on fan graphs. I know these things aren't really the best to look at. It's kind of the defensive, um, advanced hypermetrics or have always been kind of a, like point of confusion, but really the only couple of guys here that they have that are above average are Jansen's <laughs> ironically, we just talked about him is, is very good. He's leading the team defensively. And then it has Bo Bichette as a positive too, which is interesting because the eye test doesn't really match that. And Marcus Semyon as well. He's been you know perfectly fine defensively, but then you get to just about everybody else. <laughs> it's Lourdes Guriel here, <clears throat> like right towards the bottom, Kevin Biggio struggling mightily in both. Um, and Vlad actually has the worst defensive metrics in the team, which I think is kind of shocking because I think Vlad's yeah. kind of good, but it, it might, <clears throat> it might just be a confirmation bias thing. Like we, you know, we want to see him doing well at third and he's made some nice picks. So we're telling ourselves he's great, but over this series, especially in this, it was the first game Lourdes Guriel was, a complete adventure in left field. That was shocking. <clears throat> like, you know, I don't think any of us really expect that he's actually a gold glove caliber fielder. Like he was nominated for a gold glove last year. That was kind of weird. That was mostly because he had a bunch of highlight reel plays with his arm. He gunned some guys out at home. And I think the managers that vote for that just saw that. And they're like, Oh yeah, this guy plays a good left field, <laughs> but no, it was, you know, bad reads, poor roots, missed balls in the outfield that Xander Bogart's double should have been like a pretty routine out. And then in game two, it was kind of more of the same um, from BGO that we've seen quite a bit this year. And it ultimately what the issue is, is the lack of arm strength from third base throwing like, you know, water balloons over to Vlad and he can't scoop them because, you know, the balls are bouncing along the field. And it's, it's starting to get to the point where you wonder like, you know, why is the second baseman playing third? Like you have Marcus Semyon on your team. He's got a better arm. He's probably better suited for the position. Like, what are we doing here? What's the point? Yeah, I think uh, that's interesting. I'm forgetting who brought it up, but maybe there was like something in the contract with Semyon that was like, we'll play you at second. Don't worry. You're going to be a set. You're going to be a middle infielder with us. And he like, doesn't want to play third, but you're right. At some point, I think you need to be like, fuck man it's clearly going to help the team win baseball games. So you should probably or, just do it. Another thing to consider is, so they, Vlad ended up playing third base for a few innings in the first game mm -hmm. because um, I think it was Espinal got pinch hit for. 
And Vlad made a really nice play. There was a ball that kind of dribbled up the line and it was about to go foul, but Vlad grabbed it, ripped it to first, absolute cannon, and got the guy out. And a, a play that I don't think we would have seen Vlad make in the pla- in the past. Like what it kind of looked like was like a, like a 2015-16 Josh Donaldson play. I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but it, it had that energy, right? You know, where he kind of just barrels in and bombs the ball to first base and it looked like it wouldn't be an out, but then it was. I know it's anecdotal evidence. It's only one play, but yeah. I don't see why not at this point. Maybe see some more Vlad third, unless they're completely attached to playing him at first. And it's like, well, let's just, you know, teach him how to play first. Like who cares? But I wouldn't mind seeing him at third again. So let's let's move away from three up, three down, brought to you by Twig and Berries. Again, the promo code is Nation15, saves you 15%. And let's get into like some lineup construction talk. If Vlad, if you moved Vlad to third base, if you're in Charlie Montoyo's shoes, how does the rest of the your quote unquote go-to lineup look? How do you how do you move things around after moving Vlad to third? I think it only really works if the team's fully healthy, right? You need you need Springer and Hernandez back in the mix in order to make this make any sense because you're not moving Vlad to third just so that you can get Rowdy in the lineup at first and so that you can open up the DH for Lord knows who. Like, I don't know who you'd be opening it up for at this point. But when you get Springer back, one of when you get Springer and Hernandez back, one of those four outfielders is going to have to not play or DH. So that's kind of where my logic comes from. If BGO is not hitting, then you put Vlad at third base, Rowdy at first, and then you have the DH spot open for, you know, whoever. Is it Guriel? Is it Hernandez? Is it Springer? Is it Grichuk? Like any one of the four, really. That's mm-hmm. just that's just what I think makes sense. Or on another day, you have maybe Kirk DHing, if Jansen's catching, that kind of thing. But, you know, I wouldn't – this, this, this situation kind of has me relegating BGO to the bench, which I don't think is really fair because he has been hitting better than – you know, he, he's, he's a better at bat right now than Semyon. He's a better at bat right now than Guriel. So I don't think it's really fair for us to relegate BGO just because he's kind of the, the topic of criticism. He's, he's been like the topic du jour this year. So far this year, Kevin Biggio, 50 plate appearances. He's batting 268. He's got an OPS of 863, home run, three doubles. Yeah, he, he has been the topic du jour. I do you hate the idea of him being an outfielder and just adding him into that mix? No, I think he looks perfectly fine in left field. I don't know if he works that well in right or center yeah. because I don't know if he has the arm. I, 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 I do think the arm is kind of what holds him back from being, you know, the, the, the Swiss army knife that plays every position, but you know, he gets good reads. He he's played in the outfield completely fine in the past, I think, but yeah, I don't know. Like <clears throat> that's the problem is like, <laughs> it's only really like two, Two and a half guys, Grichuk's kind of on and off. There's only two and a half guys, three guys hitting well in the lineup right now. So there's only so much you can really do. I don't know how much rejigging the defense is really going to make a difference until the team is fully healthy and and rolling. And I don't know if we're going to see that for another few weeks. That's just kind of the reality right now. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Marcus Semyon, and he's an interesting one for me because he was thrown into that leadoff spot. And it became pretty apparent after, you know, a couple of weeks. I like this guy's probably not a leadoff hitter. Um, he really, really struggled. He went two for eight, three strikeouts this series. On the year, he's batting 174 with a 595 OPS. He does have four home runs, though, which yes. like is a decent amount of dingers right now in the majors. Uh, so you, you look at that and game two of the series, when they finally moved him down in the order, he ends up going two for four, walked as well. Is he a guy who, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on him because he was maybe 
batting in a spot he's not comfortable in that leadoff role. And now that he's down, like in the five, six, seven area, we can actually expect him to be like, hey, a, a pleasant surprise. Like maybe some of us, me, were, were hoping for. Like, do you think there's still a lot more to give here from Semyon now that he's lower in the order? Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, Semyon had a, a really, really slow start to the year last year too. And then he really heated it up in the playoffs. And I think we also have to remember and like look back at his kind of his his career averages here. And it's like, so he did have that one huge breakout season in 2019 where he finished third in MVP voting. He put up a 892 OPS, hit 33 home runs. And that was awesome. But I mean, if you take it all, if you if you put it all together and and average it out, his 162 game career average. So over the nine years he's played is a 744 OPS. And he's at 624 right now, slow start. But I don't think we're going to see him bash his way up to where he was two years ago in Oakland. And if we just get where he was kind of before that 2018, 17, 16, that kind of thing, where he's just like mid 700s OPS with a good glove, then you can take that. Then he's going to, you know, he's going to run into home runs too. He's going to strike out a lot, but that's kind of the moxie of this team, right? It's a bunch of guys who hit for power and that's, that's just kind of what it is. So I think we should be, we should temper our expectations for Samuel because I know a lot of us kind of looked at the numbers and we were like, oh yeah, like he can bounce back to this, 2019 anomaly but i i don't know if that's actually realistic and i think maybe just letting him be your sixth seventh eighth at bat bat in the lineup that can provide some power is is fine you know just be a part of that lower of lineup group like springer Bo, vlad they're gonna they're gonna get the job done a lot of the time this year yeah. and i think you know you can even probably throw tay oscar in that conversation yeah. but lower than that it's likely gonna be a collection of hitters who when they're hot look mm-hmm. unbelievable and fans will fall in love with them. But when they're cold, it'll get ugly. But the nice part, when we sit here on a blue Jays podcast and go, okay, if you do this, where do you squeeze in this guy? Where do the at bats for this guy come? Where, where do you get plate appearances or where do you find playing time for this other guy? Like hopefully you can just ride the hot hand and build some sort of cycle of like always having a hot hand in the lineup that can keep going. And that's, what's going to help make this lineup or keep this lineup deep throughout the year. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting here with Springer, hopefully coming back. The word still is like Montoyo's hoping for him to be ready against Tampa. Have we yeah, heard that's, any- the, that's the, that's, that's the last thing I've heard, but it says the hope is for Tampa. It's most likely that it will be when the team's back in Dunedin facing the nationals next week, which is uh, another two game okay. series, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh so, man, they are, they are really I, making us wait on this. Yeah, one. no, it's seriously. In- I, but I, it, yeah, it'd be nice to get him back against Tampa, but I, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical if they're going to go ahead and bring him back on Tampa's like weird turf. Yeah, that's a good point. Right off the hop. I don't know if that's the right play, but the, the know. rational side in me is like, yes, just wait till Washington. It's more important to have him, you know, healthy all year than like risk him coming back too early, fucking something up again and being out another month. Um, but the fan side of me is like, I want to see this guy yesterday in the lineup. Yeah. Like it's been such a buzzkill not getting to watch him in a Jays oh, yeah. uniform yet. Huge bummer. Huge bummer. It'd be great to see him come in against Tampa because this series is so important. You know, the, the Rays are just finally now kind of figuring themselves out. They're nine and 10. The Jays are eight and 10. The Jays win this series. They kind of bridge that gap a little bit. They go and lose this series or heaven forbid, they go and get swept by the Rays. And Jesus Christ, and things start to look look pretty ugly. Then we're we're getting down to New York Yankees territory. Yikes, basement dwellers. <laughs> 
Okay, let's, so let's set up this race series. You mentioned it. They're uh, starting to play some pretty good ball here. They have won five of their last six games. Uh, they also have a day off today before the series gets going tomorrow. Uh, offensively, they're being led by one Joey Wendell. Um, Randy Rosarina is batting 280 as well. They've gotten four home runs from Austin Meadows. This team is starting to turn a corner here, and they're probably just going to be, and I think this will remain true all year, the scrappy Tampa Bay Rays that we always expect them to be. Yeah, the Rays are exactly who they are. We know who the Rays are. We've seen them so much in the past. They're a weird collection of guys who put up good at-bats, and then they have this never-ending arsenal of quality pitchers who come in and strike guys out and they pitch three innings at a time. And it's, it's bizarre. I mean, you know, you'd have thought the Rays were going to take a huge step backwards in terms of pitching because Blake Snell got dealt and Charlie Morton left in free agency, but no, they have Michael Walker here. Now he's been okay. Um, Rich Hill was the other replacement they brought in. He has been pretty bad so far, but they have, you know, their bulk guys like Ryan Yarbrough, Josh Fleming, Ryan Thompson, all these guys who pitch multiple innings and, you know, they're getting the job done. Like we know what the Rays are like. They're, they're frustrating and they're, yeah. they're ugh, gross. But actually one thing I wanted to bring up with the Rays that I think is interesting because everyone's been cropping all over the Jays and their injuries. I've seen a lot of jokes on Twitter be like, Oh, so much for the high performance department with all the <laughs> pitching injuries. But this is like a, if you take a look outside, um, this is a trend all over baseball. Like, the amount of pitchers the Rays have on the injured list right now makes the Blue Jays look like nothing. So the Rays have Nick Anderson, Chris Archer, Jalen Beeks, Yanni Chirinos, Oliver Drake, Pete Fairbanks, Colin McHugh, Colin Poche, Cody Reed, and Chaz Rowe all on the injured list right now. And, you know, that's like half of their pitching staff on their 40-man yeah. roster. It's a lot of names you just listed off. So do we know who's going for them up against the Jays here? No, <laughs> that's impossible to predict. Kevin Cash probably doesn't even fucking know <laughs> who's going. I no idea. We're going to um, see, we're probably going to see 15 different pitchers in this three-game series. Things to watch. How many different arms will the Rays use in the upcoming series? Which uh, team will use more arms is my question. Oh, fuck. That's actually a great question. Yeah, we, should, we should put that out there on uh, on the Instagram and the Twitter. That'd be good. Um, for the Jays, though, Matt's Ray, Ryu, are they going to have all three big guns going for this series here? Yeah, that, that, that's how it looks. So actually, I kind of rescind what I said there. The, the Rays will probably use more arms given yeah. the Jays have their one, two, and three going. You expect a deep outing from Ryu. You don't expect you know him to come out in the second inning of a game and then have to piece it together. Same thing with Matt's at this point. Um, Ray's a little bit more of an enigma. He's, he's kind of still working himself back up. He's still having a little bit of trouble with the strike zone. So not really sure what you're going to get there. It, it is a little bit of a challenge to navigate that you're going up against the Rays with three consecutive lefties. But, you know, this is Toronto's three best pitchers. So that's what you want, I guess. The Rays, like I said, have won five of their last six. The Jays have only won two of their last six. Would you be absolutely stunned if if Toronto finds a way to take two of these three or do you think it's somewhat in the realm of possibilities yeah I think yeah no the way that these things have stacked up right now given Tampa's got a lot of injuries the Jays have a lot of injuries but the way things have worked out is that the Jays have their best three guys going up in this series and lefties are yeah 
lefties going up, up against the Rays is an interesting one. The Rays have a lot of lefties in their lineup. So, you know, Joey Wendell, who's been their big bat lefty, Austin Meadows, another one of their big bats lefty. So that does kind of play well. It's not like we're going up against the Yankees with three lefties and that's, you know, spooky because of all their big ready bats, but this should cater well to the Jays. I think I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable suggesting winning a series in Tampa Bay with the Rays, but I mean, they did it last year. You know, they, 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 yeah. they would go into Tampa and they'd win games. I mean, until the playoffs, obviously, but mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I'm going to say, I'm going to be optimistic this morning, this, this early, early morning and say to the Blue Jays, they'll go in and take two or three from Tampa. And then the season will start to turn around a bit. Springer will come back uh, next week and then we'll start rolling. And it'll be well, good. They'll have another day off Monday and then it's a pair against the Nats. But first up, three for the Toronto Blue Jays against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the finale on Sunday is an early one, 110 Eastern start. So we will be, uh, we'll be back. Maybe even, maybe we'll drop the episode on Sunday to recap uh, the Jays and Rays. Coombs, yeah, might as well. Might as well. Uh, Enjoy the series. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully the weather turns and uh, we'll talk again on Sunday. Cool. Sounds good. Let's let's just hope it's not not so early in the morning this next time. Yeah, don't worry. I'll I'll let you sleep in. Uh, Episode six of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Twig and Berries is over. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.